It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. But everybody, we welcome you to a crossover Thursday edition as we get set for the Battle of the NFC Least at FedEx Field. <laughs> One o'clock Sunday afternoon between the Dallas Cowboys, first place in the NFC East, and the Washington football team, one in five. I'm Chris Russell, and we're joined by Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys. He and Marcus Mosier tag team the Cowboys podcast here on Locked On, and we are happy to be with you. Before we say hello to Landon on this Thursday, we want to remind you guys that this football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. I watch from the press box at FedEx, which kind of stinks, but I'm armed with Diet Pepsi. Pepsi. Landon, he'll tell you later on how he watches uh, the Dallas Cowboys, and and you might need something stronger than Pepsi, but <laughs> for now, we'll stay with that. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from our friends at Pepsi. All right. With that, we bring in Landon here on the crossover edition of locked on Cowboys locked on Washington football team. Landon, how are you, pal? I'm doing well. And, and kind of answer your question from earlier. I, I watched the Cowboys uh, through the cracks of my fingers as that my hands are covering my eyes. So that's that's my usual method of, of viewing. the Cowboys. Uh, that, That's how many of us in Washington have been watching <laughs> uh, the former Redskins and now the WFT for the last 28 years. So uh, nothing quite says what one in five versus two and four <laughs> and that two and four team in first place. And oh, by the way, what neither team has made a conference championship game it's 28 years for the washington franchise i think it's 24 for the cowboys franchise nothing says great football and drama like this huh uh yeah absolutely and uh, i mean <laughs> you know it's it's funny just i mean talk about two great franchises that uh you know are used to championship football uh that have just really been kind of models of Hype with underperforming, uh, if 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 we if I may be so bold to speak on behalf of Washington, but I I, I know for Dallas, it, it's been a a long time since there's been uh you know kind of winning of substance uh going on in Dallas. No doubt, no doubt. All right, let's get into it because we got a lot of ground to cover. Let's start with the atrociousness, if you will, of the Cowboys' Monday night football loss. I mean, mm. I don't know which way you want to go because every component, from my view, was bad. Andy Dalton was bad. Ezekiel Elliott was bad. The defense was bad. It seemed like the preparation and the coaching from afar was bad. What was the worst thing for you, Landon, in a night of really bad football? I would say the best angle was the angle towards the exit. Um, what I mean, that really it's, it was, you know, I think we went into it with uh, fears, you know, obviously because no matter how good or bad Andy Dalton could play, even when Dak was playing uh, for the, for the Cowboys, the, the, the rest of the team didn't seem to be playing very well um, at all. And I think, you know, is anyone actually, uh, 
you know, surprised by by the defensive performance that was put up. Not really. I think that we are being continually surprised by the offense's inability to get out of their own way. You know, mm. I think that I think for sure all the things you mentioned, all the uh, you know coaching p- player performance, uh, you know, all of those things failed. Uh, you know, in, in one way or another, in many ways, you know, across offense and defense. But I think the thing that still remains the most perplexing is, you know, the doubt, the Cowboys offense shooting themselves in the foot, whether that's Zeke fumbling twice uh, in, in this last game on Monday. Uh, at other times, it's been, you know, turnovers by Dak or, or, or interceptions or fumbles that, that at costly times, mostly due to the fact that they're playing they're missing four-fifths of their starting offensive linemen right um and and again like but i guess that that's the thing is that you know it's a familiar tune this year it feels like a lot of a lot of teams are suffering you know a large amount of uh you know whole unit wipeouts of of injuries that are happening in in a kind of way that I, i don't know that i've seen before um and i think for the cowboys the combination of the lo- the loss of talent due to injury on the offensive side, the kind of transition from from a one form of simple co- simple defense to a more complex defense in an offseason where they had no offseason basically and they had no training camp, it, it's become a, a a perfect storm of terrible for Dallas. And now you you add in Dak Prescott getting injured, you add in more offensive line injuries. Uh, it's it's been historically ugly for the Cowboys. Yeah, so let's double down on the offense. I mean, obviously, everybody knows, like you mentioned, the season-ending injury to Dak and all of the injuries on the offensive line, and now even Tyron Smith's backup or replacement is going to be lost uh, for a while here, if not for the season. Um, you know, um, I, I guess I would simplify it this. Is it Ezekiel Elliott or bust on offense in, in your eyes in terms of being successful? Or can this offense still operate a normal structured passing game to the weapons that they have? And they have some good ones with, again, Dalton at quarterback and with the offensive line injuries. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that Dalton is terrible. I mean, we've certainly. I mean, I know I've certainly seen worse backup quarterbacks come through Dallas in the last yep. few years than than Andy Dalton. I think that the problem is that it's, it's the it's the the mixture of those two things. You know, it's it's the it's the mixture of this offensive line that can't protect for Andy Dalton and Andy Dalton, you know, not necessarily being. Uh, uh, you know, adept at, at at navigating a pocket that's closing in on him. And if, in fact, I think that may be his issue. I think if you give Andy Dalton time in in, in the behind the offensive line, he can deliver to guys. I mean, we you know we we still have one of the best wide receiver cores in football. I think, um, but the problem is is that if you know if they can't win early. Uh, then Dalton may not have time uh, to deliver the ball down the field when they're winning in double moves. And, 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 and probably the way to fix that or to at least alleviate some of the issues is to add more tight ends on the field to help block and thereby taking some of those wide receivers off the field. So, you know, it's like I said, it, it's <laughs> it's a perfect fit for terrible for the Cowboys where, you know, the the the, the weaknesses that are provided by the the the, the lack of the sudden lack of depth at the offensive line position promote the weaknesses of Andy Dalton and his inability to kind of navigate a tightening pocket. 
I think that's well said. I think that's well said, uh, no doubt about it. And some of the the issues that, you know, uh, obviously the Cowboys are facing, some of the problems that the Washington football team are facing uh, and other teams. It's not just um, to these two teams. Let me take you on the uh, opposite side of of the football. I mean, um, you know, I got to cover Jimmy Tom Sula, the Cowboys new defensive Mm -hmm. line coach here. Uh, for a while. And I know he's a good football coach, but I've read a lot about Mike Nolan and wanting to be very varied in scheme. And it's too difficult at times. And, you know, they played a lot of cover three, I think last year. And people are complaining that the coaches are not adjusting and not preparing uh, them well and not uh, making in-game adjustments. And it's too difficult to adjust to and learn. Uh, I'm going to let you answer that, but, but on Monday night and what I've seen of the Cowboys defense that I've seen a lot of is a lot of missed tackles and a lot of just gaping holes in the front seven. Is, is that a a fair summation from what I've seen? And then can you add on to the, the whole issue of the, of the scheme change under Mike Nolan? Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly can concur what you're seeing. And, and I think we can also say that it's not having those things. is not mutually exclusive from also having issues with the scheme. I think, you know, I think the problems up front specifically at the defensive tackle position are talent based in a lot of ways, but also on top of that, not necessarily being a great personnel fit for what you know, Tom Sula and Nolan want to do up front. I mean, this was a defense, I mean, beyond cover three and and coverages, which is, I think, kind of more the issue on how the the coaching staff is inability to make adjustments or, you know, make appropriate coverage calls is because they just didn't get those installed in time with, with the lack of training camp. But I think like, if you go to the actual issue with, with the run game, the, 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 the gaping holes, the inability to get a ton of pressure, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're moving from a pure one gap system on the defensive line to kind of a hybrid of two gap mm-hmm. and one gap. And not only do they not have the horses to just run a one gap system and the personnel at this point due to injury and, or, you know, lack of acquisition at the position, uh, they don't have, they certainly don't have the personnel to run a kind of hybrid, you know, two gap, one gap system. They probably only have one player who is really adept at two gapping. And he, uh, I mean, and he's really just not good at it in, in Poe. And frankly, it's basically just been a, uh, uh, a human being that is wearing a, a Jersey in the middle of an <laughs> NFL game, but is not actually playing the game of football, which is a very <laughs> odd sight to see. He's just a big person who, you know, kind of doesn't get moved, but doesn't actually make any plays either. Uh, you know, the, but the Cowboys don't really have anybody else uh, except for Justin Hamilton, who really kind of showed himself on on Monday. It was one one of the only bright spots. Oh, hey, maybe this guy can do a little bit of both. But outside of that, I mean, the, the Cowboys have really kind of struggled to find play calls that work for them because of uh, the combination of of not having the horses to run it. You know, not having the right appropriate guys, the 325 plus pound defensive tackles to you know you know two gap the way that you really want to, if you're going to be mm-hmm. using some sort of hybrid scheme. And if you're going to be using a full two gap scheme, they don't have anybody like they certainly don't have three down linemen to facilitate an actual, 
you know, two gapping three, four defense. If that's part of the, the spectrum that they wanted to kind of line up in. So they're extremely limited on, on what they can do up front. They're extremely limited on what they can do on the back end because of, like I said, the lack of training camp to kind of install any kind of coverages outside of what they had already been running, which is basically only cover one and cover three with some cover two principles every once in a while. And then, you know, all of, like I said, it's become a, a, a perfect storm of terrible because you can't call any kind of disguised or diff- difficult coverages in the back end because those guys haven't learned them yet. They don't really have very much talent back there because they were hoping to rely on scheme and disguising their coverage to kind of help alleviate their talent issues and then up front they can't they they've been okay at providing some pressure alden smith has really been a guy that's not a lot of people didn't expect to blow up but has really been good for the cowboys and 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 demarcus lawrence when he's been healthy has been able to get pressure on people but they're getting no help on the inside because of injury and lack of talent and so all of that creates a situation where if a team is able to continue to stay balanced in their offensive game call they will eat the cowboys alive because they cannot simultaneously stop the run in the past of in, inconsistent play in neutral game scripts means that they've basically been in, in losing situations for almost the entire season. They've, they've been, I think they've been ahead in a positive game script, I think for something like 12 snaps or something huh. totally, totally ridiculous all season. Well, the good news is for the Cowboys, the Washington football team can't run the football. So, um, <laughs> so that should be good. Right? We'll, we'll see. Can... We'll see Chris, because you know, we, we, we've, we've heard that one before and, uh, and we, we were more than happy to oblige. So. Well, trust me, they cannot run the football like the team that just waxed you guys you know, on Monday night. I can guarantee you that All right, when we come back here on crossover Thursday, a uh, locked on Cowboys locked on Washington football team. will flip the script. Landon will ask me a couple of questions about the one in five Washington football team. We'll do that next. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the locked on Cowboys locked on Washington football team crossover show. And we are going to take a look at the, this Washington football team, which, you know, we see each other pretty regularly twice a year. And, you know, obviously as conference mates, as division mates, we, we kind of keep tabs on, on what the other team is doing. I have to say this is the, this is the year where going into our matchup that I feel like I know the least about what's going on in Washington and I don't know if that's because like with the Cowboys there's an insane amount of changeover and turnover happening constantly or if it's just that it, there isn't necessarily it seems like the quarterback changing has left things kind of difficult to hang a hat on but let's let's I'm excited to kind of dig into this and 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 find out a little bit more about this team so I know all about Terry McLaurin. I, I, I love the guy. I think he was an f- absolute steal for this franchise. Uh, and I know about some of the uh, more talented players on this offensive line, uh, you know, like Brandon Sheriff and, and, and guys like that. I guess where I think we need to start as far as kind of getting some information about what's happening, it, it has to start at the quarterback position. Yeah. Because Dwayne Haskins obviously starts out as, as a starter. They make a change. Uh, there's been injury. I think all three quarterbacks have played some, <laughs> at least some significant yep. snaps at some point mm-hmm. during the season. What is the state of the the Washington quarterback situation? Who's the starter? Uh, and 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 is there confidence that that's a you know from here on out situation, or is that situation? Kind of fluid. Still. 
So I, I would look, I would, I would label it as this, Landon. First of all, the the starter will be Kyle Allen, barring some sort of injury, uh, in practice the next couple of days. That's number one. Number two, I do not think he's a permanent long-term starter. I think he's a guy, as he proved in Carolina last year, that can run an offense, that can operate an offense, that can put up some numbers, that can look good at times, and maybe win you some ball games and make you think that he's a long-term answer. But much like I always say about, you know, and and I know it sucks for him, but, you know, Fitzpatrick down in Miami, I mean, wherever he's been, right, he's always looked good at times. And then <laughs> inevitably, the more he plays, the more he drops off into oblivion or struggles. And that is yeah. what it seems to me like what Kyle Allen is all about. So I, mm. I would. I would tend to think that, quite honestly, by the time these two teams meet up on Thanksgiving Day in Dallas, that Alex Smith is probably going to be the starter, but I don't know that for sure. But just kind of backing up the truck a little bit, uh, I think Kyle Allen uh, is more than capable of, A, running this offense, B, causing the Dallas Cowboys all sorts of issues. He's elusive. He can break the pocket, and he can buy extra time. He can throw on the run. He was excellent, and they were excellent for the first time all year. Uh, last year on uh, last week, I should say, at the Meadowlands uh, in East Rutherford against the, yes, then winless Giants on third and down. They went for it on fourth down a couple of times. Everybody knows about the failed two-point conversion. Mm -hmm. What people forget about Landon is he drove down the field after yeah. coughing up a fumble, which led to the Giants' go-ahead touchdown, which was a disaster. He drove right back down the field, 75-yard drive, bing, bang, boom, boom, boom. And like, you know, operated that offense as crisply as I've seen in a long time, quite honestly. So here, I guess putting a, a bow on this, mm -hmm. Kyle Allen is more than capable of hurting the Dallas Cowboys, especially in the defensive state that the Cowboys are in. I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm walking out on a limb there. No, the no. Question, <laughs> the question will be is. You know, you mentioned Demarcus Lawrence, who's always hurt the Washington um, offensive line. You know, Alden Smith. Um, you're supposed to get Randy Gregory back. I don't know if he'll be active for I this think Sunday. Technically, can't play until next week. Okay, so so that's not something that they have yeah. to worry about. But but you know, this if if they can find a way to get home and get pressure on him. We're talking about this offensive line is not as not as beat up as, as Dallas's, but it's not good. Okay, mm. um, so if, if they can get home, then then Dallas's defense I think is going to have some success and be able to keep them in third and longs and all of that. But if he's working from third and four, third and five, third and six, even if he is getting an opportunity around the midfield area and in on fourth and one, even fourth and two, fourth and three. I think that's where Kyle Allen and his improvisational type uh, skills, his mobility to buy extra time and actually throw well and with accuracy into tight windows on the run might break down the Cowboys. So long way of saying this is I think Kyle Allen is a good spot starter. He's a good short-term starter. I don't know if he's somebody right now, now, as a matter of fact, I know this right now, you don't want him starting, you know, 16 games and counting on him to play at a Pro Bowl level or anything. But I think you can get away with him being your starting quarterback for several games, if not more than several games. And you're going to have to live with some lows. And Washington's already found that out. But you're also going to get some incredible highs. 
So uh, kind of going back to some of the things that we mentioned on the other side of this conversation with uh, the run game and how much they're likely to punish or not punish the, the Cowboys. Let's talk about the running backs, because I do think that that's the next most interesting spot on this offense to me. Um, I Antonio Gibson is a guy who really intrigued me because as as someone who is a fan of Tony Pollard over here at the Cowboys, Memphis running backs, that Memphis uh, offense in general is just so fascinating to watch. And the backs that it produces seem to be uh, of high quality and, and and certainly very athletic. And I think Antonio Gibson is certainly no exception to that. I, I think what I was surprised about was that he was given the starter job so early. And, and I think I, I guess that it shouldn't have surprised me because I had similarly lowered expectations for Tony Pollard, who came in and blew those expectations away. So I, where do you think the running issue starts and is, is, is it simply because of the injuries at the offensive line or, or are, are there growing pains happening with Antonio Gibson that, you know, maybe wouldn't be happening if Peyton Barber or JD McKissick, you know, were, were getting those snaps. Yeah. I mean, you know, if we rewind just a little bit, I was surprised. I think everybody around here was surprised that they let go of Adrian Peterson because of how raw Antonio Gibson was as a natural running back. Everybody that watched Memphis football knew they used him as, you know, a wide receiver split out Mm -hmm. of the slot. They used him on screens. They used him in different ways, but mostly as a receiver. And he only had like 35 carries in his collegiate career at Memphis, right? So his run tracks, reading off of keys and blocks and, you know, um, knowing when to go north as opposed to dancing in east and west and all that stuff was certainly raw, right? And and there was no reason that – there was nothing that I saw in camp in 10 practices that we were able to see, and obviously it hurt to not have the preseason games. There was no – Nothing that I saw that made me go, absolutely, this guy is purely ready, totally ready, no problems, no questions asked. And so they did what they did, which was surprising. Again, real quick, right? real quick, Chris, real quick. Do you think yeah. do you think there's a there's a chance that maybe they saw because Pollard played the exact same position at Memphis in college, where he mostly played wide receiver. Do you think that they saw the kind of some semi success that Pollard had and thought maybe it would be a similar jump for Antonio Gibson? Because I that's my thought process when I saw all this. Sure, but but the only thing I would I would bounce off of you and you tell me is it's one thing for Pollard to have the success that he's had with Ezekiel Elliott, you know, carrying I guess the load or the bulk, as opposed to where you're asking now Antonio Gibson, who's again raw and mostly yeah. experienced as a receiver, to be your number one bell cow, right? Unless the thought was, well, Peyton Barber is obvious, and, and and this was the thought. Peyton Barber was going to be a cheaper, younger version of Adrian Peterson. Well, well then, so week one, Landon, they start off and Peyton Barber's like doing exactly what I expected. Since then, he's been mystery man you know like they got him a couple of carries on the first drive of the game sunday against the giants and then i didn't see him the rest of the game for the most part so i guess as i back up the truck here a little bit just to kind of further the conversation like antonio gibson is going to break tackles he is going to bounce off of piles he is going to keep the legs churning he is going to squirm out of some things and he is 225 pounds and if you try and arm tackle him in space you're done 
But what he doesn't know just yet, what he doesn't have just yet, besides not having a dominant offensive line in any sort of way, what he doesn't know yet is all of the little tricks of the trade that you learn being an NFL back or an experienced college back. And he doesn't have that. And so as we look here coming into this sixth, um, I'm sorry, this seventh game for Washington is, you know, 82.2 yards per game, worst in the league, 4.31 <laughs> yards per play, worst in the league, um, you, you know, 3.50 run yards per play, worst in the league. So is that an indictment on Antonio Gibson that he's not going to be good? No, I think it's an indictment on the fact that they've had instability at quarterback. They've had a lot of issues on the offensive line. And then the one game that I thought they should run the ball against a Rams team in a pouring rain that was allowing five yards per carry, they ran the ball 12 times Mm. because they didn't have. So it's been a, I guess a mixture of problems, but the fact that they went with such a young raw rookie and then haven't really complimented him and backed him with Peyton Barber, which I thought they were going to do more of, is kind of mystifying to me. All right, let's flip it over to the other side of the ball. Uh, I Again, I think that the known quantity here is the defensive line. And we, we are all aware of how fantastic this defensive line. It feels like Washington and Dallas has been engaged in an arms race mm-hmm. for the last few years between their def- between y'all's defensive line and our offensive line and, and kind of trying and, 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 and throw Philly in there too, because it feels like Philly on the defensive side has tried, you know, leveling up the defensive line constantly. Um, I, I think where I need some guidance and some help is talking through some of these back seven players because there are some familiar faces to us. Landon mm-hmm. Collins, R- Ronald Darby, these are guys we know from other other NFC East teams. Kendall Fuller is a guy that's been around, we, we know. Can you can you talk me through some of the other guys that are starting the linebackers and, and, sure. and who's 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 been good, who's been bad, and then maybe a little bit uh, discussing about what how the the secondary has shaken out this year? Yeah, so so the secondary's only problem, well, well I should say only problem, big problem has been big plays. So like Gallup and. Amari Cooper, who the Washington team tried to sign, if they if if they can get some separation, and I I, I would think they certainly are, and if Andy can get some time, there is going to be big play opportunities because Washington safeties have been horrible, uh, which we'll get to Landon Collins in a second, and the mix at free safety, uh, and Ronald Darby, as good as he's been overall, has allowed. Four big, what I would define as big plays, and 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 my definition of big plays is a little bit different than maybe others, but I'm talking about 25 plus yards, you know, in tight coverage where he's the primary cover guy, but he's been really good outside of those four or so plays, right? Um, on the flip side, you know, Fabian Moreau started off good, then they kind of benched him when when Kendall Fuller came back, then he was beaten for a touchdown uh, last week, and Kendall Fuller has been their best by far. He's had four interceptions landed in the four games that he's played because he missed the first two with a knee injury, coming back, obviously, from the championship in Kansas City after they traded him for Alex Smith a couple of years ago. He's been everything and then some that they've asked for him to do. Uh, We thought he was primarily going to be in the slot in nickel. They've used him more outside. uh, And, and, you know, he's just been great. Uh, Their real big problem so far has been at safety. Uh, We'll start with Landon Collins. He's been awful. He's not ever really been good in coverage. Now he's missing tackles left and right. Mm. He's taking terrible angles. Daniel Jones had a 
49-yard quarterback keeper in which the, the defensive end crashed down on the mesh point, which you're supposed to do. Well, guess what? Landon Collins was on that same side as that defensive end that crashed. You're supposed to seal contain on the outside for the after the mesh point in case the quarterback pulls and runs. And this is Daniel Jones, not Kyler Murray. And <laughs> Daniel Jones ran right by Landon Collins. Why? Because Landon Collins got nosy and he double played the mesh point, the mesh point and was suckered in completely. And that's Landon Collins in a nutshell in 2020. So he's already been a liability in pass coverage. Now he's a liability in run stopping and tackling. It's been a debacle, quite honestly. Um, and what hasn't helped is they've had instability at free safety. They started the year with Troy Apke, a young kid with a lot of speed and who hit a lot of things in, in training camp. But was he raw in coverage? Absolutely. Third year, really, it's only a second year. He didn't work out, so they benched him for DeShazer Everett. DeShazer Everett's good. He's got speed. He plays special teams. He, he's physical. He's just not good in coverage. He's not a free safety. He's a strong safety. So they're essentially playing with their hands tied behind their back with two strong safeties and one Collins who makes a ton of money who can't do anything right. And DeShazer Everett at least gives them some juice, but quite honestly, he's not a natural free safety. So if I'm the Cowboys, I'm deep middle posting all game long if I can. And I'm taking my chance on a deep go post, you know, that type of thing, because these safeties cannot cover at all. Uh, and then just real quickly, the the linebackers have struggled, especially against tight ends. Kevin Pierre Lewis got a lot of speed, can't cover anybody. John Bostick started off very good, short underneath, uh, swing passes, very good in that area, cannot cover a tight end in space. Uh, if you needed them to. So they have been gashed time and time again uh, in space by tight ends because their zones are loose and there's just too much space and freedom given. And if you can do anything creatively from a, a tight end standpoint and from an offensive standpoint, if you're the Cowboys, that is the area that, again, you're trying to exploit. And it's not just in between the numbers, Landon. It's outside the numbers, too, on you know corner routes, uh, on 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 uh, you know on out routes if you will um, you know on on different combinations so this is the area that the Dallas Cowboys can have some success on because the defensive line has been good it just hasn't been dominant. All right, that gives me the kind of information I needed to kind of formulate my thoughts for the next segment, which will be our predictions on what is going to happen in this game. So hold on one sec. We'll be right back. All right, we finish up Crossover Thursday right here. A little bit longer, uh, but we're trying to give you the best information that we can. Once again, rejoined by Landon McCool, co-host of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. I'm Chris Russell, Locked On Washington football team podcast. One and five, Landon versus two and four. And it's for all the marbles, maybe the <laughs> NFC least at FedEx Field on Sunday, a game that I'll be at. And I know Cowboy fans and Washington fans are kept out of the building. Uh, so that'll that'll feel weird. The rivalry, mm -hmm. whatever you would call it, is just not going to feel the same. But here we are. We've got to make a prediction. Cowboys off the blowout and a short week. And not a short plane trip, but, you know, whatever, uh, versus a Washington team that, quite honestly, should be 2-4 and four and lost a heartbreaker uh, last week. Where do you sit on this particular football game? Man, 
I, I think it's harder to call uh, uh, who's going to win between two bad teams than it is between two good teams, you yeah. know, because <laughs> it's just there's so much more unpredictability involved, you know, and who's going to be exceptionally exceptionally bad this week right? and that maybe wasn't exceptionally bad last week. I, you know, I have a hard time picking the Cowboys at this point. I, 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 I it, and obviously a lot of it has to do with the, the, what I have just experienced and, and what is happening with, you know, with this team currently. And I, I think that you're right that Dallas has the means to attack uh, the Washington defense in the secondary but I think a lot of that is also hinging on the ability of this team to be able to hold off the pressure that Washington is going to be able to create against this offensive line. And I just don't have any faith at this point that um, that they're going to be able to do anything effective to kind of consistently slow this down. I, I think the Cowboys will be able to um, – Find a way to get some shots deep. I, I would not be surprised if Dalton had a couple of long touchdowns at certain points, but I, I just I have a hard time believing that they're going to be able to do enough to sustain either anything in the run or the pass uh, because they're going to have such problems up front. So for me, I'm probably going to pick Washington to win. I'll say it, it's probably not going to be a very fun game. So I imagine it's going to be something like. 21 to 17. All right. So I'm going to go a little bit higher with my final score. I actually think this is going to kind of be, I don't want to say a shootout, but it's, I think it'll be in the high twenties on, on probably both sides. Maybe one team gets over 30 just because these two defenses are leaky. Um, you know, I talked about the Washington defense. I mean, you know, again, they've certainly been better than Dallas's defense. There's no doubt about that. And I think they have more talent and healthy bodies, but for whatever reason, they haven't put it all together. Maybe this is the recipe like, what happened in week one against Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, taking advantage of a really bad uh, offensive line, really beat up uh, for the Cowboys. But I just, even though I have some faith on in both sides of the football for Washington, I don't have enough faith, quite honestly, that they are ready to put it all together and play efficiently enough. And one thing I hate um, is taking on a desperate team. And when I say desperate, you wouldn't think it's the team with more wins, the Cowboys two and four versus Washington one and five. But we all know you're desperate when your teeth gets kicked in on Monday night football, mm. um, like the Dallas Cowboys did. And like you are getting bashed every which way to Sunday. And to me, that creates a hunger and a desire and a burning, you know, just ferociousness I, I think I, I don't have anything to prove this, <laughs> but this is just my sense that the Cowboys are going to come in to FedEx field and win a 30 to 27 type shootout between these two teams. Plenty of offense. I think the game will be more entertaining than people think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a bad football game by any means. I just think Washington is going to do enough things wrong. We be it turnovers or, or, or some, or or a bad missed tackle, or bad blown coverage, or something that Dallas is going to eke out a road win here and go to three and four and retain their hold on first place in the division. 
Well, you heard it here, folks. Uh, I'm sure we're both we're both wishing that the other person's prediction is true, but I, I don't know that either of us have confidence in, uh, in, in our respective teams at this point. Uh, how, how about that? Each one of us going opposite. Yeah. I, well, I mean, that's I think that's that's a good it's a good you know representation of how we're exactly. feeling about our teams at this point. Exactly. So. All right. So that's gonna we're gonna have to leave it there. So Landon's got the Washington football team. I've got the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I've got a slight slightly higher um, back and forth contest at FedEx field on Sunday. Hope you guys enjoyed the uh, show. Landon, this was cool to catch up with you. Uh, say hello to Marcus for us. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you guys again on uh, Thanksgiving as we lead up to that game. Uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. And again, thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and we'll talk soon. All right. That's Landon McCool, host, of, co-host of the Locked on Cowboys podcast. I'm Chris Russell, host of the Locked on Washington football team podcast. Thank you guys for listening to Crossover Thursday. Enjoy the game, everyone. All right. Great. Thank uh, you so okay. much, man. So let, just- me, oh, let me just stop recording. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.